Mike. Let's continue to pray for our peace officers as they daily put themselves in the harm for you and for me. Um, obviously, there's not a perfect peace officer. They struggle with last-minute decisions, every decision they make. These people are in these, these lines of, of last-minute decisions so often, and their training comes to play, and we need to pray for them diligently as a church. So thank you, thank you, thank you for those who serve our community. community. Even as, as we find in the Scriptures, ministers of righteousness for our peace. I invite you all this morning to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I pray that your heart has been prepared to receive the word this morning. I have a couple things to say while you're turning to just to start by saying this. I am thrilled to see you in worship this morning. Thank you for being here. It is so good to see. Some of you haven't seen some for some time. It is so good to see you here. Uh, there's a number of things you could do on Sunday morning at 10.15, but you, by God's grace, are here to study the Word together, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you're visiting with us this morning, please know we are so thankful that you're here. As we say, we have, maybe we haven't said it as regularly uh, recently as we have in the past, but our prayer is that when you come into Cross Point Community Church, you are welcome to well, that there are people that let you know we are so thankful to God that you are here, so that you are welcomed well, but then when you sit down, that you are fed well, that you feed from the scriptures. For the next 45 minutes, we are going to feed from the truths of the Word of God, so I hope that your heart is full. And then this, in addition, as my sister Linda reminded us of, that you are welcomed well, that you are fed well, and that you are loved well. That's our prayer as a church, that we would show you the love of Jesus Christ and that we would all take up that baton and live that out. A couple quick thank yous. Thank you for those who supported our sister Vanita yesterday in a wonderful memorial service, celebration of life service for our brother Ron, who is in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at this very moment. So thank you for those who supported yesterday. For those who are serving our community so well through Upward Football, thank you for taking, some of you were out there on that field all day yesterday. <laughs> thank you for serving Jesus by serving Jesus' people, serving our community with a prayer that these young ones hear about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So thank you for serving through Upward Football. Thank you, Mark Barons, for putting that awesome video together, giving us a glimpse of what you've been through or what you went through with the mission team, what you observed um, in Costa Rica. And then please pray for those right now who are currently on the mission team to Honduras. There's a group from our church that are in Honduras right now on a mission trip. Quick reminder, on Wednesday night we are continuing our discussion. Uh, it's just a very practical discussion. And there's not a load of us there. There's just a handful of us there and a very practical discussion on how to lead our children to Jesus Christ. This is a very important discussion. It's not something we take lightly, flippantly. Um, there's a lot to this discussion, a lot more than you might think. And I would encourage you, if you are interested in this, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock in room 101, we will continue our discussion on that. Lastly, Thank you for those who reminded me last week that I do not have a stepmom. 
I don't know how many of you caught that last week. No, I don't have a stepmom. I was referring to my mother-in-law. Even pastors have brain blocks even from this pulpit. I got done as a man. I'd like to meet your stepmom. I don't have a stepmom. So talk to my mother-in-law on Mother's Day, and I said, hello, stepmom. <laughs> so at any rate, thank you for being gracious with that. Today we will continue our journey through Romans. I hope you're prepared so far on this journey. Uh, you can take out your handout and look at this. Uh, we've interacted with a couple super truths, these key truths, these key topics that we're going to see, these themes all the way through the book of Romans. Uh, we're interacting with this concept of the righteousness of God. What exactly does that mean? Well, today we're going to dig a little deeper in that. We're interacting with the concept of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. A gospel that is not just sufficient to bring us into relationship with God, but is sufficient to carry us along all the way till we see Jesus Christ. Here's the question we've been interacting with. How can a righteous God bring an unrighteous person into a righteous relationship with Him and do it in a righteous way? What's the answer? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Look no further. That is what the book of Romans is all about. And so today, as we look deeper in the gospel, as we look deeper in the righteousness of God, we're going to find words like revealed. We have seen through the gospel of an unfolding of the righteousness of God. It is exposing us to more and more of who God is. This God we worship. We're here today as we pray on Sunday mornings not to play games. We're not just messing around. We want to know more about this great God. And how do we learn more and more and more about this mighty God that we serve? We tag ourselves to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, today we're going to look some more at that by looking into what almost any commentator you ever read, anyone who's ever interacted deeply with the book of Romans, almost exclusively will look at two verses as being the theme of the book of Romans. Okay, what are we talking about? This is the heart. This is the heartbeat of the book of Romans. If you take these two verses that we're going to interact with the next 40, 45 minutes and I guarantee you, whatever I say this morning will be woefully inadequate to the strength of these verses. But nonetheless, we're going to do our best in the next 45 minutes to open these verses, to meditate on the truths of the Word, to learn more and more about the righteousness of God revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So would you look with me, please? Now, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, 
or some of your translations will say, from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Okay, so what is this? This is a window into the heart of the book of Romans. In these two verses, we find further described the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So what let's do with these two verses, and actually we'll reach a little bit into verse 15 and a little bit into verse 18. I want us to start by just analyzing it uh, based on structure. What, what are you talking about? Well, there are some awesome phrases in these two verses. And you look at these two verses flowing from the end of verse 15. So what is at the end of verse 15? Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel to those of you who are in Rome. And now flowing from this phrase comes these wonderful steps, these descriptive steps, these, this, this description of, of the gospel, one phrase after another, building on each other, telling us more and more and more about this gospel that we were just introduced to a couple verses ago. This gospel, it's like Paul can't contain himself. I'm going to tell you, as I've been working through this this week, just it's almost like a, the grand finale on Sunday morning. I mean, I'm meditating on the Word, and I get so excited about it. And I'm going to tell you, there's, a, there's a, a picture in my mind that I've had all week of the Apostle Paul. And this is a deep theology right here. This is what I have in my mind as I enter into this passage. <laughs> What are you talking about? No, honestly. I mean, I know we interact with your grandchildren or children with a two or three-year-old. Have you ever heard them tell a story of something exciting? Okay, most recently for our family, it is of our daughter, uh, Emma and Eva, running out to the barn and seeing so all of these hordes of chicks that have just hatched. Um, Eva had the wonderful idea of having her first grade class at Liberty Christian School pray that the chicks would hatch. Got like 17 of them now. <laughs> Stop praying, Eva. Nonetheless, when you hear them tell this story, or the baby bunny, or the little kitty cats, and you hear a three-year-old, or a little Emma, tell a story, her face lights up, her hands go expressive, and dad, and dad, and dad. It's like, yes, and there's more dad. Okay, I mean, you're like, this guy's off his rocker. No. This is how I come to this text. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's, he's not necessarily preaching as in this picture, but he's telling this gospel to Tertius. And I, in my mind, my imagination goes, I'm, I'm, as Tertius is writing this, and this quill is on fire, and he's writing all about this, and, and Paul is like, get this, Tertius, the gospel. And instead of saying, and this, and this, and this, and this, he uses other conjunctions. It is the conjunction for or, in other words, because. Tertius, the gospel's amazing. I'm excited to, to preach it because of this. Oh, and get this. Because of this, and because of this, and because of this. That is what we're interacting with today. We're interacting with an apostle, Paul, who is excited to share with us more and more through the inspiration of Jesus Christ why he is eager to preach the gospel. Verse 15 says, I am eager to preach the gospel. And here's the first four, or because, for I am not ashamed. <laughs> I'm not ashamed by it. 
We're going to look at that in just a minute. Here's the other four. For it is the power of God. Tertius, get that down. They need to hear that in Rome. It's the power of God. Unto salvation to everyone who believes. Circle the next four. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Tertius, get that down. You want to hear about the righteousness of God? Look at the gospel. Now we run to a bit of a different conjunction here, but it fits right in line. And he basically brings the capstone to this particular subject. And actually it flows into verse 18, as we'll see next week. For the wrath of God is revealed. But verse, the rest of verse 17, he says, As it is written, the just or the righteous shall live by what? Faith. It's faith, Tertius. How do you interact with this holy God? It is not based on what you do, Tertius. And I honestly think that maybe sometimes during that letter writing, and I don't want to paint too much of a picture, but as he's writing down this letter, Paul's dictating it to him, I can imagine Paul gets into preach mode. Tertius, it's faith! And he's like, I'm sitting right here, Paul. I got it. You don't have to yell that in my ear. It is faith. It is faith in Jesus Christ. And so that is what we're studying today. I want us to kind of dial in on this key truth. So deep. It's so appropriate and very practical. Here's the key truth that we want to kind of dig into today. We can confidently proclaim an amazing gospel because it reveals an amazing God who powerfully saves. And who does he save? All who believe. This amazing gospel reveals an amazing God, a God and a gospel that we should never, ever, 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 ever be ashamed of. So let's start to develop this key truth by looking at this first equation, part of the equation. Here it is. The gospel can be proclaimed with confidence. And where do we go with this? Brothers and sisters in Christ who interact in a daily level, regularly with unregenerate people because we're still in this world. We're not in heaven. <laughs> so you still go to work on a Monday morning. You still talk to people that don't use the same language you do, that haven't enjoyed the same activities you did this weekend. You're going to interact with people tomorrow that didn't come to church on Sunday morning. And so honestly, when we gather together as a group of believers in corporate worship, sometimes it's like almost we live in this bubble. What happens when you break out of this bubble? Well, Paul gives us exposure to out of this bubble life. And he says, when I'm out of this bubble, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. And we can take that same approach to the life we live right here, right now. We're talking about tomorrow when you get out of bed and you go minister in Redding, California. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want us to reach actually back into verse 15, as I just mentioned. Verse 15 says, Paul says, through the Spirit, I am eager to preach the gospel. And then verse 16, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. When we looked at this two weeks ago, the eager to preach, Paul was ready, Paul was willing, possibly even as that three-year-old girl, I'm excited. 
to preach this gospel. You don't want to read too much into it. It's possible that he's saying, I'm stoked. Paul was eager to proclaim what? He was eager to proclaim the gospel. As we'll see all the way through the book of Romans, we're going to review what this gospel is almost every week because it's so important, not just for those who are coming into relationship with God, but for all of us who already are in relationship with God, to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. What am I talking about? It is the good news that Jesus Christ came to save sinners like me. As we saw three weeks ago, in its summarized form, the gospel is the historic fact that through the life and ministry of a perfect Savior, the sovereign creator God rescues and transforms. And those are two very important words. Rescues and transforms the lives of condemned sinners who come to him in faith. Paul exclaims in verse 16 why he is eager to proclaim this good news. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. When you look at this concept of ashamed, it's not too uncommon to how we think of this, that this might look. In other words, you can say we might be embarrassed or humility, humiliated, disgraced, belittled. <laughs> I like how one lexicon puts it. To experience a painful feeling, a sense of loss, of status. This painful feeling inside of, oh dear, what just happened? You know that feeling of being embarrassed. We probably would have some wonderful stories out here about your most embarrassing moment. But I want to tell you not one time can you find the Apostle Paul, and I know he struggled through this, through his life, but he couldn't. As, as you see his testimony unfold, part of the equation of the Apostle Paul's life was now I'm embarrassed by the Scriptures. No, he wasn't. He wasn't embarrassed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his commentary, a fellow by the name of William Barclay reminds us that Paul had been in prison in Rome, chased out of Thessalonica, smuggled out of Berea, laughed at in Athens, he preached in Corinth where his message was foolishness to the Greeks and a stumbling block to the Jews. And out of that background, Paul declared that he was proud of the gospel. Praise God for that. All of these things that the Apostle Paul went through, stoned and left for dead, mocked, ridiculed. And he says, ah, oh, no, 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 I'm not ashamed of that gospel. It is the power of God disposing of and despising any possible hint of shame, Paul clung tightly to the fact that God and his plan were absolutely credible. And he was proud of it. If I could just interject this. This is real-life Christianity. What am I talking about? There's young ones right now here in this room that go to school every single day and are confronted with, is this gospel worth it? There are teens in this room right now that have grown up hearing about Jesus. Is this Jesus worth it? You know that feeling, walking onto the school campus, 
or onto your sports team and someone looking over it and saying, yeah, that's that Jesus dude. I mean, this is not some pie-in-the-sky type theology and, oh man, this is super cool. No, this is real-life stuff that I'm telling you, followers of Jesus at Cross Point Community Church, we go through this regularly if we live out the gospel. We are going to see this come alive in the new world that we live in right now. It is not so popular to be a follower of Jesus Christ in the culture we live in right now. Maybe we live in a conservative bubble in California called Shasta, Shasta County. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters in Christ, even within this own county, it is not super possible to be a follower, unashamed follower of Jesus Christ in the state of California, in the United States of America. It is not as popular as it once was to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So the Gospel of Shuzon says, brothers and sisters in Christ, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. If I could just read a passage, maybe you want to write down 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12, because this is exactly what Paul does to Timothy, his son in the ministry. We learned about him for Mother's Day. Timothy, so it's fresh in our minds, this guy Timothy. Paul uses the exact same terminology in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Right after he talks about Lois and Eunice, we find verses like this from Paul. I'm just going to read this, and maybe you can go later this week and look at this, but think about and listen to the similarities between Romans 1, 16 and 17 and 2 Peter, uh, Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Verse 8, Therefore, Timothy... He's talk, Paul's talking to Timothy. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus because the ages began and which now has made manifest through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul says, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. Verse 12, Paul says this to Timothy, which is why I suffer as I do. Think about that. Next 15, 20 years when it's not so popular to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And pastors may be going into jail for doing what I'm doing right now. As we interact with Romans chapter 1 in the next couple of weeks, and there's some very straightforward words about the transgender movement and morality. That's not going to be so popular. And pastors are put in jail for teaching racism when they're actually teaching what the Bible says about God chose man and woman. That's not racism. There's going to be pastors put in jail for preaching the gospel. You are going to be mocked and ridiculed 
The next generation is going to have to make a decision, the same decision as we find in the Old Testament. Choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that is what Paul is saying here to Timothy. He says, which is why I suffer as I do. Verse 12 of 2 Timothy 1. But I am not ashamed. Same terminology in Romans 1. Here it is. Let us remind ourselves of this often. For I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day which has been entrusted to me. Praise God. He's not ashamed. Why? He knows who's got him. And he's got him until the last breath he breathes. As we start into this book of Romans and as we're still in the introduction to Romans, technically, we find Paul saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, we get to some dynamic reasons Paul could confidently proclaim the gospel in an unashamed way. What does he start with? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel can be proclaimed, brothers and sisters in Christ, with confidence. Why? Because it expresses God's saving power. This is not some piddly God who's just hoping that things work out on, the, on that little sphere that He created. No, this is the power of an Almighty God who calls people into relationship with Him. Who works all things after the counsel of His own will. This is this God that we're talking about. This is a powerful God. And Paul says the Gospel reveals, expresses to us the power of an Almighty God. The power of God, talking of God's might, God's strength, His force is exposed to us through the gospel. Simply this, the gospel is effective because it is saturated in the power of an almighty God. The Greek word for power is dunamis. So, as many of you have heard, we actually get our modern word dynamite from the same Greek word, however. Big however there. Please take note on this. Contrary to what many pastors have creatively claimed through the years, this is really a bad connotation. Dunamis and dynamite. It's a bad connection. Don't use it. Why? Well, in a very practical, chronological way, I mean, I can tell you that most assuredly, Paul was not thinking about dynamite when he wrote this. Why? Because dynamite wasn't created, invented, patented till the 19th century. <laughs> so Paul wasn't thinking about dynamite as he wrote this. Same root, but he wasn't thinking about dynamite. And here's another very practical reason why it's not talking of dynamite here. Why? Some of you have read a wonderful book on biblical exegesis. A guy named D.A. Carson wrote a book called Exegetical Fallacies, and he points this out so beautifully. He says, dynamite blows things up. It tears things down. It rips out rock. It gouges holes and destroys things. <laughs> Friends, that is, that is not what the gospel does. <laughs> what does the gospel do? 
Paul is talking about the power of God, but it's a power of God to raise from the dead, to give new life, to transform believers, to walk in newness of life. The power of God is not the power to blow things up. It is the power to fix things. That is the gospel. God fixes broken things. That's the business that God is in. Sure, it's power, dunamis, but not to blow things up. It's to fix our lives by His grace. It is the power of God for salvation. It's deliverance. Specifically, this deliverance is liberation from, and think of this, it is deliverance from God's own holy wrath. Think of it that way. It is the power of God to deliver you from God Himself, if you want to put it that way, from His own wrath through Jesus Christ. Condemnation that we will read about for the next couple weeks and study about in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Starting with verse 18 next week, we will talk about the condemnation of God. And all the way through to chapter 3, but also very practically, we can't get caught up. And I know, honestly, a lot of us hear about Romans 1.17 from Martin Luther and what happened in his processing. Those who like biblical history and um, actually the Reformation history, you'll hear of and read about how Martin Luther processed the book of Romans and wrote a lot of what the modern day church thinks of it. Well, quite honestly, when you think about this, you think about this salvation, it is not just efficient, as Martin Luther was focusing on through the lens that he was focusing on to bring us into a right status with God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to keep us in a right standing with God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to see that exploded onto the scene in chapter 6, 7, and 8. We're going to read chapter 12 where this is the gospel with shoes on. It is the power of God for salvation. Not simply a, a salvation from the penalty of sin, but a salvation from the power of sin today and tomorrow and the next day and every day this week and every day till Jesus comes. That is the power of God for salvation. Deliverance from the penalty of sin and deliverance from power of sin. It is salvation to everyone who believes, and then we find this wonderful phrase, praise God Almighty for this phrase in the scripture, to everyone who, what? Believes. To anyone and everyone who puts true faith or trust in Jesus Christ alone for deliverance. In other words, the gospel is not exclusive to one people group. And that's exactly why he says what he does next to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is not exclusive to any people group that's coming to your mind right now. The gospel is not exclusive to one demographic or one age group or one nationality or one tribe or one nation or one ethnicity or one geographic location. No, it is for everyone from all people groups who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Praise God for that. Praise God for the everyone that includes you and me if we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
How appropriate is this based on the context of Romans? Remember we talked about this several weeks back, that what's happening if we're the church of Rome, uh, of Rome that follows Jesus Christ, what's happening in our congregation? Well, you might have a couple Jewish believers over here, you might have a couple Gentile believers over here, and they're looking at each other like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you for holding so tightly to your Jewish roots? Man, we got Jesus. And the Gentiles looking over at the Jews, and the Jews are like, what is wrong with you? You have completely annihilated the foundation that was laid through the Old Testament. And what does Paul say? Through the divine Holy Spirit, the Scriptures, he says to the Jew first and also to the Greeks, guess what? It includes both of you. And by the way, Gentiles, unless you get a big head, guess what? We're going to see this come out in chapter 9. Guess what, big-headed Gentiles? It actually came to the Jews first chronologically. (laughs) Don't forget that. This whole God's chosen people thing in the Old Testament, it did happen. Don't forget about it. God, through his sovereign care, came to Abraham and called out a people for his own name, leading us to Jesus Christ. If we did not have Abraham, we would not have Jesus Christ. Don't forget that little point. So what is Paul saying? It is to everyone who believes, to the Jew first. Jews need to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That big point. They cannot put their faith and trust in their ethnicity, in their traditions. Faith and trust by Jews needs to be in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even to the point of how we've been praying this week, seeing the missiles fly from Gaza and Israel and back and forth. How can we pray for Israel? Pray that they come to Jesus, the true Messiah. The Jew first and also to the Greek. What's the point? The gospel can be proclaimed, brothers and sisters, with confidence. Why? Because it exposes, it expresses God's power. So, why can we today, when we go to the grocery store, look at the clerk and say, Jesus can save your soul? Why? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. There's another statement that we need to look at, and this is verse 17. I'm going to have to keep moving here. We'll be here until next week. Verse 17 says this, For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. What's the point that we'll look at here? The gospel can be proclaimed with confidence, brothers and sisters, in Christ because it reveals God's saving righteousness. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Do you remember we've already talked about this righteousness? This righteousness being God's perfect conformity to His own standard of holiness. Through the amazing gospel, this righteousness is unveiled to man, Man is directly exposed to God's righteousness. I know there are some in this room that really enjoy the technical aspects of these passages. So if you do, there's a bit of a hang-up among biblical interpreters, and you're probably well aware of this, with this phrase, the righteousness of God. Okay, so it can be translated in the English language as either of or from. The righteousness of God, in other words, okay, you techie Greek guys, the subjective genitive, 
In other words, a revelation of God's divine character. Is that what this is talking about? Or is this a genitive of source? In other words, a gift from God to man. Is it righteousness of God or is it righteousness from God? Some of you read regularly from the New International Version. This would take the translation righteousness from God. I'm not going to go into a great discourse on that right now. But I will tell you, it makes sense to see how some would say from God. Especially when I mention a lot of what is written these days flows out of what happened in the Reformation. And what were the lenses they looked at in the Reformation? A right standing before God. This is what Martin Luther was saying. I don't need the Catholic Church to tell me I'm right with God. Faith in Jesus Christ gives me a right standing before God. Well, that's what he was focusing on. And so what happened is, inevitably, that came into the equation. Well, there is actually a resurgence of some really good writing arguing that we take this as a divine self-revelation of God himself. We hear about the righteousness of God. This is God revealing his own person and character. By the way, where does it all flow from? The righteousness of God. How can a righteous God make an unrighteous person righteous and do it in a righteous way? It's the gospel. How can a what God? A righteous God. There's a fellow by the name of Tom Schreiner, who I love his commentary on the book of Romans. I love how he processes this. He says, without getting caught up in too much, basically, get, don't get caught up in the trees here because realize there's a bigger context. What's happening in the whole book of Romans? And even within the immediate context, here it is. Clearly, the context includes both. The righteousness of God and the righteousness from God. So don't get, don't get caught up in the either or, realizing the argument stands that a righteous God is including unrighteous people in His plan by passing His righteousness to these people through Jesus Christ. Okay, enough of that. So, when, the, when we read the righteousness of God is revealed, we find great encouragement that a righteous God's plan is to gift believers with his own righteousness. And this has been graciously, here's the word, revealed. It's unfolded to us. It is unveiled, if it, as it were. God's righteousness has been unveiled to you and to me through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's standards of holiness have been unveiled to you and to me through Jesus. He says this, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, some translations say from faith to faith. Again, faith is the pillar we're looking at here. This is trust in Jesus Christ alone for deliverance. This is highlighted in the discussion. Clearly, this is the emphasis. From faith, for faith, as it is written, the, just, the righteous shall live by what? Faith. Circle that word. Highlight that word. Faith is very important in this discussion, and I think we need to carry that emphasis into how we interpret from faith, for faith. This is a lot of ideas of what from faith to faith means. I hope you're holding on here. Look at that phrase, from faith for faith. What does that mean? Some will say it's from saving faith to living faith. Some will say it's from one person's faith to another person's faith. 
Some will say it's from the faith of the Old Testament to the faith of the New Testament. Some will say it's from the faithfulness of God to the faith of human beings. Some will say from smaller faith, smaller faith to greater faith. Woo. So how do we look at this passage? All great suggestions, but I truly believe the simple emphasis, back to the emphasis of this word, is on the complete nature of true faith. Faith is to consume the entire life of the believer. So for me, as I work through this and read through this and study this, I think a good way to interpret this would be faith from first to last. It is all of faith. It's not just coming into relationship with God by faith. It is faith every day of our lives to the end. In other words, faith from beginning to end. Faith from the present into the future. You may not agree with that interpretation. Well, as my dad says often from the pulpit, you'll find out when I get to heaven that I'm right. No, just joking. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is something to wrestle us, but nonetheless, when we wrestle with things like this, we need to see the emphasis. And what is the emphasis? It is the word faith. Putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. And how does Paul bring this into conclusion? This young kid, as it were, saying, listen about this gospel. Here's how he brings it into conclusion. He brings another conjunction into the play, and here it is. As it is written, oh, Paul couldn't help himself here I believe <laughs> as it is written the righteous shall live by faith where did Paul just quote from anybody know the Old Testament book of Habakkuk when was the last time you heard a sermon on Habakkuk this is wonderful even on the choice through the spirit of the quote that Paul uses here what is Paul saying? Okay, this gospel is rooted in what God has done, just like we saw prior. The righteous shall live by faith through the Spirit. Just, Paul just pulled out the quote from Habakkuk to reveal the true nature of gospel faith. This concept of faith is absolutely consistent with what God has always demanded. Even in the Old Testament. Taking Habakkuk's, what is Habakkuk doing in Habakkuk chapter 2? He's contrasting proud, self-dependent people and humble, God-dependent person who places his faith in God and his plan. And Paul highlights God's demand for what? True faith. Humility that puts their faith not in me, but in God. The just, the righteous, shall live by faith. Through faith, those made righteous by God will have new life in Christ, and through faith, those made righteous by God will live new life in Christ. We will directly see this in chapter 4. What happens in chapter 4? Well, we have a wonderful discussion about a fellow by the name of Abraham. And what's stated in chapter 4 is this. Abraham believed God. He put his faith in God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Faith. The just shall live by faith. So, let's review. What have we just seen in these verses? Chapter 16 and 17, the heart of the book of Romans. Here it is. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ can and should be proclaimed with confidence. Why? Because it expresses God's saving power, a power that brings deliverance, and also because it reveals God's saving righteousness. A righteousness that uses faith. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Cross Point Community Church, friends, do we truly believe Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17? That we can boldly proclaim an amazing gospel because it reveals an amazing God? A God who powerfully saves all who put their faith and trust in Him. Do we really believe that? And I think that question has got to drag us into the so what section of this sermon. So what? Thanks for all that, Pastor, but so what? Well, I, I think we really do need to interact with this question this morning. It's no mistake that you're here. And here's the question. By faith, have you experienced the saving power of God through Jesus Christ? You. Not the person on the other side of the room that really needs this sermon, Pastor. You. Not the other person in my family who I'm concerned about. You. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the saving power of God Almighty to bring you into a right relationship with Him through Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And if not, would today be that day? For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ and saving faith, I would ask you this. Have you experienced the saving power of God this week? What do I mean? This, the saving power of God to keep you in a righteous relationship with God. To convict you. To keep you from those words that you know a Christian shouldn't say. Meditating on that song that you know Christians shouldn't sing. Letting your eyes gaze on that picture that you know Christians shouldn't look at. Losing your anger. Thoughts of disgust towards other followers of Jesus Christ. Has God Almighty shown His power sufficient to you this week through the gospel and sustaining your walk? Would you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Not in a saving you from a penalty of sin situation, because that already happened, praise God. It's called justification. We're going to see that again in chapter 4 or 5. But in a day-in, day-out battle with your flesh, will you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this week? One other question to present this morning. You've got to ask this question when you look at this passage. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Truly. Does it embarrass you a bit? Paul so candidly to the church in Corinth says that this really frustrates Jews and Gentiles alike. Some think it's foolishness. It's a stumbling block to others. Hey, so guess what, my friend? It's not always going to be accepted. 
Not everybody you run into this week is going to be like, oh, cool, you're a Jesus person. But let me ask you that. When that rejection comes, are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? As a soccer coach, I've found this often, that some of the best players I've ever coached struggled intensely with confidence. I find myself encouraging, encouraging with this. Dude, you've trained. You are conditioned. You have the necessary skills and the support of teammates to get the job done. Get out on the field and get it done with the confidence. Okay, so on an infinitely greater scale, what if God's people, saved by God's amazing grace, empowered by God's Holy Spirit, equipped with God's Holy Word, supported by God's people, were to step out into this broken world with the confidence of the power of God? What if we could say this week with Paul every single day, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, even that neighbor or that coworker, or that teammate. I'll close with this. One of my heroes of the faith is Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 19th century pastor in London known as the Prince of Preachers. Uh, in fact, one of the most, I don't know, meaningful projects I ever had in college was doing a, uh, a paper, a formal paper on Charles Haddon Spurgeon. My eyes were just this big. In 1886 sermon entitled, Christ and His Coworkers, Spurgeon states this. A great many learned men are defending the gospel. No doubt it is a very proper and right thing to do. Yet, I always notice that when there are most books of that kind, it is because the gospel itself is not being preached. In other words, we're good at talking about the gospel, but are we sharing the gospel? Suppose a number of persons were to take it into their heads that they had to defend a lion, a full-grown king of beasts. And there's a cage, there he is in a cage, and here come all the soldiers of the army to fight for this lion beast. Well, I would suggest to them, if they would not object and feel that it was humbling to them, that they should kindly stand back, open the door, and let the lion out. I believe that would be the best way of defending him. For he would take care of himself. And the best apology for the gospel is to let the gospel out. Never mind about being consumed about defending Deuteronomy or the whole of the Pentateuch. Preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let the lion out and see who will dare to approach him. The lion of the tribe of Judah will soon drive away all adversaries. Let the lion of the gospel out. And I would pose that today, this fine Sunday, to all of us at Cross Point Community Church. Would you this week let the lion of the gospel out in Redding, California? Why? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes.
So we thank you, God, for your goodness and grace, your kindness. We are so undeserving. Yet you have showered us with your mercy and grace and kindness in Jesus Christ. And I pray, God Almighty, that you would do this work in our hearts. Stir us up with this gospel. I pray for the young ones here today. That tomorrow we'll be going to one of the last couple weeks of their school. That you, by your grace, would give them the confidence to share Jesus with their classmates. The junior hires, the high schoolers here, oh God, I pray that by your grace you would guide them. Lord, that it, it wouldn't be so much just being consumed with not doing the bad things, but that they would be consumed with sharing the good things. Jesus. And I pray today, Father, by your grace, that every single one of us would share confidently the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ because it is your power, your saving power, and because it exposes your righteousness to a needy people. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this passage of scripture that we could look at today. My friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, we could just close out the service with a couple brief minutes of prayer. There's some of you here even today that may have understood a lot of what was just said, but not all of it. Maybe you're new to the scriptures or to a formalized worship setting like the church. If I could just remind you that it is no mistake that you are here today to hear of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That you in your time of greatest need as a sinner, not simply because you do rebel against what God says, but because you're born into the race of Adam. <laughs> and Adam was a sinner. And so through Adam, we are all sinners. But God and his grace didn't leave you there. He sent Jesus to the cross to pay for your sins. This morning, would you put your faith and trust in this Jesus? A faith that will transform your life from the inside out. Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be rescued. There may be some here today that have been wrestling for this for some time. Let today be that day, would you? Come to Jesus today by his grace. In just a little bit, we're going to walk out these doors. Dismiss, we're going to sing a song, we're going to walk, walk, walk away. Don't let these thoughts leave your mind. God is drawing you to himself. In just a bit, there will be some at the front that would love to talk with you more about what we talked about today and just pray for you as you work through this in your own mind. As you go home, you may not have to open the scriptures and wrestle some more with this. Through this week, there might be questions. Please don't feel shy about contacting us and saying, would you pray with me? Would you help show me some more about this Jesus? I'd love to show you more about Jesus. There are some here today 
that have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith and you are struggling. You're struggling with the world you live in that is so drastically influencing your behavior. And might I add, just today, just encourage you with this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to deliver you. Not till you get to heaven will you be delivered in total from the flesh you now live in, but from that power of consuming you every day. Would you come to Jesus Christ in repentance of those sins in your life that you've held on to? Come to a spirit like, like David in the Old Testament, a broken and contrite heart, asking God to search his life. And then live this week knowing that a powerful God can save and does save. Lastly, this week, would you pray with me that the lion of the gospel of Jesus Christ would be let loose? The city of Reading, Chester County, and this state around the world. Our Father, we thank you so much for the time we could spend in your word today. Thank you for how powerful this is in our own lives, the dynamic truths of the scriptures, that it transforms our hearts and our minds and our lives. Please give us grace now as we go our way in just a minute to live what we heard today. And now as we sing of this victory that we have in Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would encourage our hearts. Thank you again for every single person that is here today in their tenderness to your word. Continue to remind us of these truths this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here for worship today. Some of you came ready to share of your resources. Uh, we will not be passing any plates. Uh, if God has laid that on your heart, there's some boxes in the back that you can participate in sharing of your resources. But I hope God gives you a great week living out the power of the gospel. So there's a song. Some of us sang this years and years ago.